This is Movies, a podcast about the act of cinema. And with me today, I can't believe it. How did we get him? It's Hans. I'm glad that you restarted that recording because I, I farted on the last one. And I wasn't sure if you got it or not. I'm also not sure if I dutied my pants or not. So I'm glad that there's no recorded evidence of me doing that in the podcast. That's disrespectful. It is disrespectful. I don't think we got it, but okay, it was disrespectful. You know what I like? I like that you're wearing a cool backwards hat tonight. Yeah. I got a lot of like, I got a lot of like big headed comments last episode. So I'm just, you know, hiding that for this one. I mean, what's great is as you, as you get healthier and lose more weight, your head is going to just look enormous. Yep. <laughs> yeah. I got to get beefier. So I'm just going to get ripped. Well, speaking of somebody who knows something or two about beef, we have Ryan Katsu Rivera. First time on the show. Ryan, how are you doing this evening? Doing great. Yes, me knowing about beef. I'm the star of the show Beef on Netflix. That's right. That's I'm right. The- how could how oh. could I not lead with that credit? <laughs> I haven't watched that. Have you? No, I haven't. I've only heard good things, which makes me very skeptical about it. I know John uh, or Cho. What is it? David Cho is in it, which is kind of cool. I like that guy. Didn't didn't some Cho get in trouble because they went to like Mexico and got jerked off by a twelve year old? No, Bobby I Lee. think that's Bobby Lee. Yeah, oh, I get my Lees and Cho's confused. <laughs> People get me and Lee confused also. Well, Which, it's it, it, it uh, sounded exactly like what you said with your accent. Didn't a Cho get was... in trouble? <laughs> yeah, one of them did. Yes. Well, uh, one of Ryan's actual credits is uh, the upcoming Omega Fish Corp. How about that? That's uh, very exciting. I I can't wait to get... Is that the Juneteenth Red Bull you're drinking? What is that? No, but it, it's the summer edition. It's June Berry. And yes, it is purple, but it tastes like K-pop. Me and G-Mac had this one. We were going to go... Uh, we were looking for props for the, the shoot mm-hmm. uh, for the Frank scene. And we both had one of these. Those and, are uh, good. So is- I, I don't typically indulge in the sugar Red Bulls, but I did start my day with one of those as well. That one, that one got me. They're good. I approve. Mm. They're keto. They are quite keno. Uh, we're, we're starting filming again this week on Omega Fish Corp, which is an upcoming series featuring Ryan here as uh, one, of the, one of the main characters of the show. And uh, Ryan, you're a very talented guy, very multi-talented guy. I feel very fortunate to have you on this series it's been great working with you i feel and, fortunate uh, very excited and uh now we're going to be talking about some some other kino aside from omega fish corp we, we now this this show was going to start out as a glenn gary glenn ross show but i have to say i feel like i have 90 percent more to say about the machine than glenn yeah. gary glenn ross <laughs> i all i really have to say about glenn gary glenn ross is damn that's a good movie that's a okay. well-written movie yes and the machine the machine stokes more emotion out of me, I think. Interesting. Okay. Yes. I don't like that I'm not getting credit for my brilliant connection <laughs> between Shelley, the machine, Levine from Glengarry Glen Glenn Ross and Brett, Brett, Bert, Brett. <laughs> the machine, Christ, Christ, that name that I can't pronounce. Uh, I didn't know, though, until the end when they called him that. And I was like, oh, like, that's that's the angle, right? Yeah, I, you know, I'm okay with if you spoil it for me, but I got to the very end, like the shootout scene. 
uh, where he, I don't want to spoil it. Do we spoil it? We're, yes. Well, we spoil it all. <laughs> you must have seen the machine by now. There's a lot of hardcore Burt Kreischer fans that tune into this that might be upset, but they're just going to have to get over it. You know what? You, I think you might be surprised about what I have to say. I mean, I'm I'm the guy who still stands behind liking Jack and Jill, Adam Sandler's uh, kind of nutty professor sort of creation. Mm-hmm. Uh, especially with Al Pacino, who is Richard Roma in, um, you know, but his his he saved the whole movie for me with that Dunker 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 Chino. <laughs> so good. It's so fun. I love that. Like, I literally do. I don't ironically like the movie Jack and Jill. I do like it. So you might be surprised about what I have to say about the machine. OK, did you, did you see the wrong Missy? That's another Ooh. one of those Adam Sandler. That's a David Spade one. I don't think Adam Sandler was in that one. Was well, he produced, though? I think it's Happy Madison still, and uh, it's it's horrendous. <laughs> it's it's David Spade, and who's the female? Lauren Lauren Lapkus, Lapkus, oh, something like that. Yeah, Ooh, it's that exactly one. what it looks like. Yeah, just very just obnoxious for two hours, where you just want to. Yeah, a... yeah, it's her farting and like being loud and making that face that you see up there. Yeah, hmm. it's uh, it's uh. It's it's not good. And he's fully shaved. We got a fully shaved spade, which uh, like totally undoes his like graceful landing into his age from a storied career. I just saw Dana Carvey and him doing a little thing. And it's nice to see people left over from when the world was still good. You know, when SNL was still um, a thing. Like Funny. Respectable. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and uh, so it was cool to see them both like crap on Fauci or whatever they did. Well, yeah, that, I think the uh, the unspoken thing of everyone from SNL before 1997 is that they're all Republicans. Yeah, like Adam Sandler was like, oh, the most famous Republican for a period, and now now people just don't really acknowledge that. Now they don't yeah. talk about it. Yeah. But um, yeah, you know what I always say is there's nothing funnier than a woman with bangs. So the wrong Missy, I, I bet that's a treat. Thumbs <laughs> up. Three stars. Three three yeah. and a half stars. <laughs> Maybe we should cover it. I just want you to see it because I've seen it. Well, you have a penchant for not Adam Sandler, but damn, she looks so tan there, huh? Uh, You like all of his lackeys, Hans, it seems like. I like, yeah, I like uh, Grandma's Boy. That's a funny one. That's uh, peripheral. Uh, Mm -hmm. That's that's as far as I go. Well, Rob Snyder. How can you know? Yeah, 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 yeah. The Matrix, Matrix guy. And uh, the Rob Snyder movies, how can you not like Animal or... The hot chick, which is, I'm sure, very controversial now, but it's very funny. You know, the, the script of the machine was actually written for for Rob Schneider. Mm. It was another the and a thing. Right. Yeah. Believe it or not, he Bert yeah. swooped in at the last moment and he was like, Good, you guys could do it. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, high pitch scream. I will say this movie's kind of an anomaly as far as films that went to theaters and also the fact that so Ryan, you, you're I mean, you're you're kind of new to like movie nerd, like hardcore facts and whatnot. Are you familiar with the company Legendary that produced this movie? That actually does ring a bell. Is that like the new Lionsgate? It was kind of, so they came about in 2005. I think the first movie that they produced was Batman Begins, and they did a lot of work with Christopher Nolan. Hmm. And they had a reputation for being this big, like prestigious Warner Brothers company. Uh, like a subsidiary of Warner Brothers for the longest time. And then I think it was sold and came under new management. And now they're doing these kinds of movies. And now they're doing, I feel like they did the Dungeons and Dragons 
sequel that came out or something along those lines. Hans, if you want to look it up real quick. Yeah. Uh, Enola Holmes 2. A Christmas Story Christmas. A Christmas Story Christmas. That's right. Which I'll I'll tell you what, I kind of like that. Christmas Christmas. But still, it's, it's a far drop from what they were producing in the aughts, which I think was, again, more like prestigious Warner Brothers movies. And now they're on Burt Kreischer's pseudo biopic comedy. I mean, but also in addition to being an anomaly, as far as that, you don't get this kind of movie anymore where you just have like one lead comedy actor and it's a like his thing. It's tailored to him and it's also going to go in theaters and they have a budget behind it. That is kind of rare these days. And also for like a, not a new comedian, certainly not a new comedian, but a new comedian to like film, I guess, because we are talking about like, oh yeah, Adam Sandler's had a movie a year basically for for 35 years. Um, You don't get like the Chevy Chase led comedies. You don't get the Bill Murray led comedies. We have a Burt Kreischer led comedy. (laughs) A Burt Kreischer vehicle. Yes, it is. a. It's a Burt Kreischer vehicle and God, Mark Hamill. It's a machine. I just, I don't know if I like Mark Hamill. That's what I I realized with this movie. I'm certain I don't. Um, and it's not because of his body of work. It's because of his like posting on Twitter, his socks, like can't wait for Trump to get arrested. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Even though it's a still picture, mm-hmm. those feet, you can tell there's a motion blur. And that you know makes- what I, I went to his Twitter feed just yesterday and I saw that he was like posting Trump's like, what is Trump on rumble? Not rumble on um, Truth, Truth social. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So he was posting Trump's posts on there and like correcting the typos in that on his tweet so like actually it's there with an i not with a y apostrophe re that one does hurt when you make that mistake (laughs) i made that mistake once and i was like everybody thinks i'm an actual idiot (laughs) and you see it and it's got like thirty thousand likes and it's like what am i doing on here why am i why am i on this platform jesus christ it's very stephen king of him it is well they're of the same age class right just about very not James Woods of him. Mm-hmm. Well, didn't you, you say? Know yeah. Oh, go on. Go on. No, no, go ahead. Didn't you say that on the last episode, or did you say that after we stopped recording that you were like Mark? That Hamill... he was correcting typos in real time. No, no, that Mark Hamill is just not a good actor. That's why he doesn't have an acting career. So I, I was talking about. I did the crossover show with Monkey Jones, and we were talking about the Flash, and I said, "Okay, Michael Keaton's good in the Flash, even if like Ezra Miller is an annoying mess of a human being, and it comes across in the character, and it kind of brings the movie down." And I realized, like, there's there's a a lot of uh, echoing between Michael Keaton's return in that movie and Mark Hamill's return in the Star Wars movie. He comes back in, where it's like, "All right, we got a new direction." and I won't spoil it here in case you watch it, Ryan, but it plays out the exact same. I was like, okay, so what the fundamental difference here is they didn't ruin the Luke Skywalker character, which I don't really have a fondness for. I'm not really a Star Wars guy in that way. Um, It's just that Mark Hamill is not a good actor. I don't, Michael Keaton's a great actor. Mark Hamill is not a good actor comparatively. He didn't know how to tackle this version of this character and do it in a way where it's going to be appeasable to the, the, every kind of viewer that's tuning into this film. And uh, that was all the more confirmed when I watched The Machine. Okay. Uh, just la- late last night. I will say, he did a facial react that um, that I, re- I, I actually found funny. Mm-hmm. Um, it was, 
it's early on in the movie when the premise is being set that there's a Russian mob sort of element to it. We're going to just spoil it. I mean, yeah. who, who imagine the person out there getting upset <laughs> that the movie spoiled? It's like the first part of the movie. So they're in the garage and um, the female mobster, uh, whatever, is, is saying that um, she's going to torture his dad, Mark Hamill. Mm-hmm. And then when they go to Mark Hamill, he goes like, he does like a funny. I thought the timing and like the face he made was actually pretty good. Like, and that's the sort of thing I, I like it. You know, line delivery, of course, is up there. But when it comes to like nonverbal face stuff, I guess maybe this is from my affinity of like Ace Ventura or something like that. But mm-hmm. it, it can, like a facial expression bypasses all logic. Like that's how I make my baby laugh. It's like mm-hmm. facial expressions are great. And I really think he nailed that. I gotta say, but I think that really says a lot about his acting performance. Where his best <laughs> part, I guess, his best acting wasn't even a line delivery; it was just a just a <laughs> scared reaction. Well, yeah. th- this kind of answers the question I was going to ask, which is that: Did this movie make either of you laugh at any point? One point, yeah. When when he uh, has the Russian lady on the table. And he's pulling out this stick that's that's stuck in her leg, and he throws up into his hand and puts it in his pocket. That yeah. made me laugh. <laughs> I was like, "All right, that's that's pretty I, funny." But, I also yeah. laughed once, and it was right after te- I was complaining about the movie over text to a friend of mine. I was like, "This this is a total. I can't believe I'm. It's two thirty in the morning. I'm watching this. First of all, it's an hour and fifty two minutes." Wow, an hour and fifty two minutes for a modern for any comedy is a lot. Yeah. It's a tall order. Um, and I was, I literally just said, this movie hasn't made me laugh once. And then there was a scene on the train where the Russian woman slits the guy's throat and then Burt Kreischer goes to punch him and gets his <laughs> fist stuck in the guy's open wound throat. And I, I laughed at that. Cause I was like, oh, that's so aggressive and unnecessary. And that's okay, so we, for me. we all laughed at a slapstick moment, basically. So mm-hmm. not that of the writing, you know what I, I was. I, I didn't laugh at any of the writing, but I was impressed that they almost ran headfirst into a cliche and then they kind of diverted like that puking scene too. like they almost did the whole don't puke. And then I thought she was going to puke and he was going to puke. The way they capped it off was the person um, that Bert, uh, Kreischer got reunited with. He was running to go get something to help. And when he came back, he came in and puked scene change. I thought that was like a clever twist on that sort of cliche. And I also think that those things are worth keeping around these sort of like you know like tropes mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. like i could i could go on forever just like uh he's right behind me isn't he or just like i'm okay <laughs> and you say i'm okay i like those things um i think they you know it's almost like the wilhelm wilhelm scream or what yeah is it? Mm-hmm. yeah I, I like that you know paying it forward there but not it can't be saturated with that you know and i think they did a good job of avoiding cliches uh so that that i will say about the writing yeah i'll uh you know i don't have not everything about this movie is a negative for me the one big thing that stuck out to me was i think i probably because they had legendary produce the movie a lot of the shots and the coloring was was pretty good especially for a comedy it's it, it seemed a lot slicker than what this type of movie would typically get. I think a lot of movies would, would get like the Judd Apatow treatment of just like, none of this matter. Like it's, you're just gonna get a very flat image and uh, we're gonna riff for three hours and that's gonna be the movie. 
But this they shot it like an action film, essentially. They mm-hmm. tried to make it look like a John Wick ripoff. And I didn't mind that. There's some like rough green screen, especially when they're on the train. Like when that door is open, it looks pretty bad. But for the most part, um, the the shot composition, some of the editing transitions, and the color were a cut above for for a movie like this, especially. Yeah, even though the action wasn't really impressive, I don't think it was supposed to be. Uh, especially when he becomes fucking drunken uh what's the drunken monkey is that the the fighting style because he just what drinks a, a some vodka and then starts kicking everyone's ass but uh the way that the action was shot was really well done and i i was kind of surprised by that and the way that it looks looks like it looks like an expensive movie you know and i think uh, it was a big contrast to I, I saw it right after seeing Glengarry Glen Ross, which is a very straightforward, you know, based on a play. So the, visually, it's not the most interesting movie in the world. Uh, and uh, it's mostly a dialogue and the performances that that uh, that make that movie work. Uh, and then here, within a couple of seconds, you have the camera moving and like a lot of, you know, doing doing a lot with the camera. So that was... I think that was the the part that I enjoyed from the movie. I I thought every written joke was horrible, <laughs> and every time they were trying to get funny with line, it was either a bad line delivery or the joke was just one that stuck out was uh when he goes to Russia um and he says something like oh it's kind of like West Virginia and the Russian guy is like West vagina I was like oh that's yeah and it was an ADR they definitely yeah. leaked that in there someone yep. thought after the fact we need him to have a funny line you want to be funny yeah. if he said vagina yeah and uh just a lot of 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 little lines like that that it's like oh this is someone that thinks they're being funny with with the dialogue but then i don't know if it's the delivery or just at the line is corny that i can't remember a line that that made me laugh or that i think worked as a joke uh there his interaction with his family at the beginning again in contrast with glenn gary glenn ross where all the dialogue seems natural seems like there's actually two humans speaking and then you have this psychologist office scene where everyone's just saying things that no one would say to each other it's just oh, like, right, yeah, I'm just goofy dad. I don't understand. I'm retarded. You know, that, that type of very unrealistic. That, so that was rough at the beginning. Again, because I'm coming from, you know, Al Pacino monologuing for like five minutes and trying to convince this guy that, you know, he's not getting fucked with. Uh, so, yeah, I think uh, visually I liked it. Writing. Oh, and how dare they make fun of Austin Powers, by the way. I was like... That I movie, because <laughs> I like any reference of Austin Powers, but well, they, at one point they say Austin Powers, really? And I was like, how fucking dare you? <laughs> how dare you think you're above the character? While he yeah. was flashbacking, yeah, that's yeah, 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 yeah. No, honestly, that if that's not one of the greatest comedy franchises ever, yeah, it is. Exactly. <laughs> it really just is so good. I love it. I think about that movie at least once a week. I call my buddy um, Jesse from Pot Awful, and usually Who's definitely listening to this episode right. <laughs> now. Oh yeah, he watches. Yeah, that's right. He did the, uh, the uh, Job of the Hut. Uh, if you were Job of the Hut, yes. Like Uka Waka Luka Laka, huh? I, I think we should have him on, but ha- have him on as us, 
and just talk to him and interview him as us. He does a secret episode, yeah. Yes. But no, I I like I'll call him to to come up with like some just stupid idea and it always goes to Austin Powers for some reason. I always go to Dr. Evil. But I what I did like film wise, I mean like camera wise, I I bet there's not a lot to talk about. I just found out what uh, anamorphic lenses were like last week just cuz I was like, well, I'm I'm kind of curious when you guys mention lenses and stuff, I want to kind of educate myself on this. Mm-hmm. And it has that blur to the side. It's very wide, right? And does it also have a vignette? Uh, typically, yeah. If you're so, the way that it is is it'll stretch out the image because it, it's usually a little oval, and uh, you'll have to adjust it in post, and it will cause some vignetting. Yeah, and typically, like the big thing, the reason why a lot of people, like if you watch uh, cinema YouTubers or whatever, and they're talking about like, here's why you want an anamorphic lens for your indie film the main reason they'll give you uh quite often is that it'll give you easier lens flare than any other camera so the the light of whatever shot will reflect in a way where you'll get that little blue uh yeah, flare blue that appears on I, screen like two different colors you get blue or gold or blue or sure um i it, it tends to just be mainly blue and then sometimes you'll have like a little bit of white or a yellow that offsets that mm-hmm. and that's like a very popular thing that was kind of made popular by who michael bay by mm-hmm. uh, Zack Snyder a little bit, but Michael Zach, Bay was the big one. The Star Trek guy, right? Was yeah, that- oh, yeah, J.J. Abrams. Oh, does right. it. J. J. Abrams. Yeah. I remember yeah. he was lens flare captain of the world. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Back in the day, I think everything. Did you see my Twitter message to you? No, I did not. Let me take a look right now in real time. Um, it's kind of important because it has to do with the... Okay, let me, let me do that. Yeah. Um, but yes, J.J. Abrams... He's obsessed with lens flare to the point where, like, he will artificially add them into shots where it's not. Oh, yeah. Okay. Well, I'll. Uh, we. I love the movie The Machine. To be honest with you, I would. I would recommend it to most people. What? A, um, what no, yeah, that know. is. Well, I mean, let me explain what happened here. I was just kidding, by the way. But I. I typed. I got, <laughs> okay. I'm working with Burt Kreischer for something in the winter. <laughs> And Jay's response to that is, oh, I love the movie. <laughs> hey, I never rated this on Letterboxd. No one knows my opinion. I was just, I was holding on to it. It was in my pocket. Hey, Bert though. looks very svelte in this movie. Very healthy. No, no, that's, that's a lie that will not happen. No, but I, you know what? I did like the movie. And speaking of lenses, so I was looking to see if there was anamorphic thing. It wasn't, but it was like widescreen, right? They had the, the letterbox sort of cropping towards it right yes so but i I did notice a little bit of a blur on each end but that could just be an artifact of a regular wide lens what what lens stuff do you see going on with that uh it's always it's kind of i don't know it's it's a bit difficult to tell what lens somebody is using unless there's like a distinct effect that sticks out like that like I, I feel like I've shown you the uh, split diopters when we we're talking about that. Oh, yeah. We were writing Omega Fish Corp. Like something like that is a very, like you can tell that because then all of a sudden there's a blur up the middle yeah. of the screen. As soon very... as you mentioned that and you, you learned me about what that is, I started seeing that. I was watching. Actually, I think it was, I think there was a split diopter in the machine. You're kidding. No way. I think so. Huh. Um, I would, I would have to scrub through it, but I feel like there was a point where I was like, whoa. Okay. All right. Someone, whoever worked on this was a film snob and probably felt like I'm slumming it on this movie. What am I doing here? Yeah. I couldn't imagine like you, you have this huge budget and stuff and you, you don't have a guy that's like trying to do some, they did a couple of, uh, 
you know, like flights of fancy, like I, um, they were, they went to that place where it used to be his college dorm and they kind of did a flashback, which I like the casting of that guy, uh, Jimmy something. He's like, Jimmy uh, Tatro, I think is a very funny actor. He was good on, yeah. um, there's a Netflix series that came out and, in 2017 or so. Yeah. American Vandal. He's great on that. I never saw that, but I, I know I knew him from his like funny videos and me and my friend Bo at the time would like would follow up with his YouTube videos, just his like little short funnies. And then when he got that that Netflix show, we were really happy for him, but we didn't bother watching it. We we're like, good for him, <laughs> but we'll not watch that for some reason. Um, but yeah, him as a, there are some scenes and I love this sort of shit. That's why I fell for Terminator Genesis. I love when they they're like here's a younger version of this character because I look for like the similarities and there were sometimes from the side profile where it did kind of look British and I was impressed you know and um, another thing that um, what what's that movie that okay did you see are you caught up on the I don't want to get too sidetracked but Black Mirror the new season I've actually been dodging the new season of Black Mirror I, I there's at least one in there that you will love. And then there's one that you'll think is pretty good. And there's one that you're going to be like, I, you know, this is kind of a waste of time. I won't. Which spoil. one's the good one? I think I've seen a couple. Uh, the astronaut one. Is that with oh, yeah. um, Aaron, Aaron, Paul? Aaron Paul? Yeah. Aaron Paul. And who else makes a return? I haven't seen him in years. Fuck, is Josh, Josh Hartnett? Yep. Josh yep. Hartnett. Yeah. Where he's, where's he been? Uh, uh, he, he, did that, yeah, he did Penny Dreadful on Showtime, which is a really bad series. He was on the bench for a second. I think they're considering him for a role, uh, the role of Two Face in the new Batman movie. That would be great. Yeah, no, I think that guy's good, man. He's always, mm -hmm. he's always been good. Now he looks like he's older. Now he looks like a young Tommy Lee Jones. If they did something like that, so basically, I love it when there's a character and then they show like a younger version, like Tommy Lee Jones. Actually, uh, when they had Josh Brolin play him in. Uh, in one of the men in blacks mm -hmm. black three. Mm -hmm. i just i like when when they do that and um you know face off is a really i like that movie but yeah, i understand yeah. that's probably a bad example and people no like that's that. a fun oh, movie this is it. a fun movie it's yeah. one of the so like acting like somebody else too and i think there was basically um without spoiling it there was a, an element of like it's this character but he looks like this character and so I'm thinking, what did they do? Did they film a take with the character and then he copies that to like act like him? You know what I mean? If I'm, if I'm like Ryan and you switch bodies with me, so I have, you have to, I have to act like you. I think it would be good to get a take of you going through the motions, you know, and then I mimic that. And then now, it, now it's like, I'm acting like you looking like me. Well, this is your specialty. So what would you typically like? How do you typically glean something from someone you're going to do an impression of? Just like full absorption, you know, just like uh, listening to a lot of the stuff and and um, picking up stuff like that. Then there's an element of like once you have enough kind of like tools, um, then you can kind of just play around a little bit. Now you have your boundaries to work in and then but you have to get into their head a little bit. You have to like what kind of shit would they say and. That's why it's hard to do smarter people than me because you can't really fake speed and intelligence is a thing that I've noticed. Mm. If they're like, they have like, like Jesse Lee Peterson is the easiest one to do because as as once you get the, the sound, you can just talk about whatever because it, nothing that you will talk about is like, um, really puts his character into question because he, he kind of goes all over the place. So you'd be like, I want I watched the um the movie podcast when they had um 
and the, and and they're saying, "Oh wow, I can't believe Hans is on that one." But he's on every single episode. <laughs> <laughs> but then they're comparing the Burt Machine Chrysler to the other movie. I forget what it was. The, uh, Jen, Jen Larry Ben Blosh. <laughs> <laughs> Just fun. So that one's easy to do, but um, yeah, I would I would want that. I would want basically if I'm supposed to act like a different actor but look like me, like somebody else is in my body, like a face-off situation, watch them do the take and then mimic that. You know, because basically in one of the Black Mirror episodes, they, they, they do that and you could see mm. the character through him, even though it's him, which is like super hard to do, it feels like, because there's nothing that in specific about the other guy. It's kind of just the guy. There's no like, we, if he was like Christopher Walken, you'd easily mm. be able to be like, oh, that's him. But, you know, Travolta, I think, had a an easier job of being Nick Cage than Nick Cage had with Travolta. Travolta gave him less to work with. He was kind of a straight-down-the-line kind of guy. But I love stuff like that. And so, yeah, that guy Jimmy played a younger Burt Kreischer. I think they did pretty good. And then that one scene, basically, they go to where he used to go to college. And uh, it's, you know, the frame is facing a stairwell. And then all the characters are in frame, Burt Kreischer's you know, right and in, in looking in the camera, basically, not really. And then he walks away, and then all of a sudden, now it's a time warp to back in the 90s or wherever. And, like, people start coming down the stairs, coming up the stairs, the elevator opens, and it's young Burt Kreischer coming out. And that's just, like, one take, and I thought that was cool. Um, I, And I had to rewind that to be like, did they change something? There was, like, a color grade change or something, but no, they just, as soon as he starts walking off, you see people coming up and down the stairs. I think I could find it. Is that legal to show it? Uh, you know what? Technically, it would fall under fair use. Oh, but um, if they want to give us a problem, they'll give us a problem. I think if you play it without audio, we should be fine. Yeah. Also, yeah. since you did your Jesse Lee Peterson impression, all I'm thinking is, like, how much better would it be if Legendary gave Jesse Lee Peterson his own film mm -hmm. vehicle to star in, just like Burt Kreischer? That could have made this so much better. Even if he was just <laughs> like a side... If he played the dad instead of Mark Hamill, that would have been a great movie. They call me the machine. Do you think if they gotten someone to play him as a younger version, he would still sound the same? <laughs> it's just like a young person that sounds like a doddering old man. Or if there's an accident, because I don't know how he got that, but it sounds like it's a thing, like if some event happened. There's an origin story to that sound, I believe. Oh, I'm coming close to it. Here it is. Got it. Okay, no sound. All right, let's take a look at this. This is from The Machine. So right when he's before he even steps off time warp thing, bam, now you're in the, I like that, you know, like, I think uh, it almost looks like they have a fog machine going to make it look older or something like that, but they didn't do any sort of like, if they did a color LUT change or something, it was very subtle. Like maybe this is slightly more saturated and then they, but not that I could tell. I think anyway. so just based off of that, here's what I think happened. I think they lit Bert very close to the exact same and threw him in front of a green screen. No way. Yes, I, th I think so. I would have to take a look at it because it looks pretty good. And there's some green screen in the movie that's fucking horrible. Oh, really? um, but there's, I don't know how else they would, unless they just had everybody come out and it was all in sequence and they repeated it over and over. But Hollywood is so lazy these days that I can't mm. imagine they would do that. Maybe they did. Uh, I don't know. Um, that was a flight of fancy there. Yeah, but there, there's like I kind of mentioned this a little bit before, where there are editing transitions that it's not a simple just we're going to cut. They do get creative with it. So the people that they had working on this movie, even if 
Burt Kreischer is not like the ideal leading man here and can't really carry the film. He doesn't have the acting chops uh, to do that. Somebody knew what they were doing behind the scenes and tried to make the best out of a bad situation. And I think that comes across in little flourishes like that. And uh, like I mentioned before, a lot of the lighting for the scenes is very well done. Hmm. The director uh, directed 54 episodes of Key and Peele. Oh, wow. And okay. that, that show was also very visually impressive. Okay. So I guess that kind of makes sense. It has that kind of sleek style like that. Mm. Yeah, because there, there was something about like uh, the amount of saturation or like the frame rate even uh, being comical and then like not comical, right? Where there's like um, almost like soap operas have that weird... Is that 60 frames a second? That weird? Yeah, soap operas will, yeah. I, I, I don't know if it's 60, but they will definitely shoot uh, at least 30. Mm-hmm. I know in the UK, the standard is 30 frames per second, and it makes everything feel funny. I think The Hobbit was 60 frames per second. Mm. Yeah, it, it just, there's something about like, um, like uh, leaving, making it like cartoonish. So like oversaturation and more flat, right? Mm. Less kind of i think that's how it used to be but now it's since things like key and peel where they're they're taking cinematic looks and then you know making that funny that's that's kind of like what we have here now where it's he the the reason why it's funny is the contrast between serious looking like it looks like a john wick it kind of feels like it and then you have this kind of goofball stuff going on but, but yeah i i i I really did like it and I expected not to. I really <laughs> expected not to at all. Like I've been laughing at the idea of this movie. I'm like, wow, yeah, let's go see the machine. I think I liked one of your tweets, which was which was like kind of bashing the machine. Or I LOL'd as soon as you said we should <laughs> we, we should watch the machine. Yeah. Um I I just I, I don't know. I kinda like that it exists, even yeah. if I'm not a fan of that's the thing, is like I can I can put aside my own personal uh comedic taste. Because I'm not really a, I I don't hate Burt Kreischer or anything, you know. I don't I don't go out of my way to bash Burt Kreischer. His comedy's just not my cup of tea. Me. And uh, I appreciate the fact that somebody thought, yeah, we'll just we'll go make that movie. How much? What Hans? Can we look up the budget for this thing? Because uh, this 10. does not. Well, how much was it? I think it's ten million. That's it. That's cheap, isn't it? Yeah, that's that's cheap for Hollywood standards. Like the, the ten million dollar movie doesn't typically go to theaters anymore. Wow uh hold on it no wait it made 10 million oh oh no it did not make 10 million (laughs) dollars it made at least 50 20 million budget it says here and uh worldwide 10 million no way worldwide it made 10 million yeah domestic well i i don't know how much this will be playing internationally it says only two hundred thousand internationally that's horrible that is really bad yeah that's not good like now i feel bad you could feel (laughs) like i felt bad for the billionaires on the submarine you could feel bad for people who are on top of the world i feel bad for him that's not nice i think if this movie was a hit um more good things would come of it yeah i kind of felt that way ryan did you see skinamarink by any chance i did yeah in in the draft house yeah oh you saw it at the alamo draft house how was that it was while I was with two people that understand that it's kind of an experience and weren't like, what the fuck is happening here? <laughs> nothing. There yeah, was like, nothing a <laughs> yeah, no, that's right. But I <laughs> devote myself to it. And 
and uh it's kind of an empty it's an it's compared to the product i think it's a kind of empty idea but Mm -hmm. i took it for its word and i just trusted it and i was like this is it was creepy and i did feel stuff and i think giving yourself to the moment and just kind of like you know what i'm trying to be the perfect audience member you know and like i'm really trying to experience whatever they're trying to make me experience take it all in and yeah i don't the suspense was all there and then um there were moments where i was genuinely like uncomfortable because the audio was like so grating and loud and then it came out of nowhere and like you felt like you could be audio attacked like at any moment with like shrill you know audio Mm. Um, and then you're also waiting to see what's going on here, like something to grasp onto. And that's kind of like the fear of the dark and, you know, and the whole thing of, uh, darkness is that your, your brain doesn't have anything to like really grasp onto to figure something out. You'd rather see a monster in front of you than nothing almost. Yeah. You know, cause you're like, well, what am I here with? What am I, what's my enemy in this situation? So I think I did get something out of it, but I wouldn't do it again, you know? Well, yeah, I think especially watching it that first time, um, unless you're going back to mind for things you did not catch on uh, on that go around, it kind of renders itself redundant. But my take on on Skinmarink, I didn't get to see it in theaters. I saw it when it went to Shutter, so I caught it on streaming, and I didn't know what I was in for. Uh, one of our mutual friends had talked it up quite quite a great deal, and I was like, "All right, I'm interested. I'm intrigued." And then I watched it, and I was like, just annoyed and frustrated the whole time and when they photoshopped that toilet out of the shot i was like they didn't even use like they didn't lower the opacity on the clone tool i can see that i can see the, the texture tool. of the toilet still there yeah <laughs> i know how they did this it's just it's crazy that this is a phenomenon but then some time passed and i was like i think skinamarink coming out and being a hit is gonna do it's gonna like plant some seeds and it's going to do more good and help us get because we've been in like a very stagnant moment for movies and even like television. I think a lot of television kind of sucks and is tra- was trying to emulate the Breaking Bad, Sopranos, mm. Mad Men wave of prestige and emulated that and didn't live up to it. Mm. But my thing with something like Skin Rink was this being such a hit is going to be great because people are going to take the vibe of this and then mesh it with something a little more traditional or a little more... Um, functional as a film and it's going to create interesting new things and with the machine if this was a hit then i think maybe we're seeing a cool a a cool trend of like comedian-led movies good and bad probably and uh knowing that it made 10 10 million two hundred thousand dollars globally i that's not gonna happen there's no no one's giving theo vaughn a movie now because it would be a resurgence of what you know, like late '90s, early 2000s was all about, and then you had mm-hmm. a, th- a three-way person let, like Seth Green, Matthew Lillard, and I forget the other guy. Just Dak dude. Shepard. Was yeah. it Dak Shepard? Yeah, without, oh, without a paddle, right? Yeah, yeah, without a paddle, like things like that, where it's a, a mini super group of funny guys, and let's see what they what they all get into. Mm-hmm. Now, Harold and Kumar too; these were two nobodies, literally just nobodies. But it was like that formula was so good that they were like, let's just try it with races <laughs> korean and indian man baggy mm-hmm. and then let's let's try that so i like that and and you're right they kind of just went away and then everything's either superhero film or like a uh, some sort of like historical um oppression porn that comes out and like actually did you know that this happened back in 73 pain and suffering yeah i know 
The only one that seems to be doing comedy now is either Kevin Hart or Melissa McCarthy. Those are the two comedians or comedic actors. But that are are there, still... I don't even think they really are because they gave Kevin Hart too many like direct to street, like when Quibi was a thing. They tried to give him something, yeah. and they all it all flopped. Anytime he goes direct to streaming, it flops. Even like he they, he was in the Super Pets movie, which I did oh, not see, but I know you gave it like five stars, Hans. You said that was no, the I best didn't. movie you saw that year. <laughs> I gave um, it four. <laughs> um, that flopped. That didn't do well. So Kevin yeah. Hart's kind of in. He's in uh, actor jail at the moment. Well, I'm not sure about the quality. I just. Like, if you look at this IMDb, it's got so many things every year up to this one that they're using him, is what I mean. It's not that they're good. I, 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 no, my, no, I, I wasn't making it. the point that they were good or bad. I, I was saying they flopped. They didn't make any money or they make the money that they needed to make. As a matter of fact, speaking of John Travolta, they just re released Die Hard, which was a, like a web series or something for one of these dead platforms as a movie. And Roku. John Travolta is yeah. the bad guy in it. So. Mm. Wow, well, I do want to see that now. He's it just popped up. It, it popped up on that uh, website where you happened to watch the, the illegal website. Of course, we weren't pirating the machine. Uh, where you got a copy of of that? Interesting. It was com. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but you know, I, it is disappointing that this that it flopped. I actually, I didn't believe it was only ten million. That's sad to me. But yeah, I, I wish that kept happening. But. Real quick, going back to the Skinner Ring thing, mm. the fact that that's like kind of a it, it's unwatchable for many, but like you said, it can inspire other people to do. Like that happens with um with music too. Like if uh like people are inspired by Zappa or something, it's like that's never going to be fit for the radio. But you can use that that sort of uh that sort of direction or whatever, use it as a motif in something else, and now it enriches it like way more. And it it's like that whole. Yeah, I, I do that with music a lot. Yeah, for sure. You're just like, I like the vibe of that song. How do I kind of capture that without stealing it? And, you know, funny enough, bringing it back to Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross, that's apparently this movie had a big impression on Quentin Tarantino. And it's almost like the Marlon Brando of, of uh, scripts in a way, because when Brando kind of broke the whole, hey, you... Like that mm -hmm. whole projecting, acting sort of stuff. Mm -hmm. And he was kind of more laid back and he's talking and mumbling. And now we have kind of too much mumbling now in, in movies. But that was very Jack Lemon, by the way, when you cut into that. <laughs> hey, that you. Voice. Yeah. Well, I need those leads. <laughs> um, but yeah, so it that that script, uh, it was just it was meant as a play. And you can kind of see that it's very play like in the movie. Um, but yeah, apparently that inspired Tarantino to make it more natural, have fast dialogue witty and quippy and all that sort of stuff and um so just the way that you know skinnamarink kind of existed in this thing hopefully it is borrowed from and 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 homaged because you know i think what what quentin did to a movie like it's it's a weird glenn gary glenn ross it's very you know you would have to be into acting and not need to see explosions or gunshots mm -hmm. you know um my wife liked it but she likes she she can she likes plays you know mm. but do, do you think that this is, this is a movie that's hard for some people to watch whether it's attention span or or not their flavor or just acting acting sort of stuff um that's tough to say you know i feel like the 90s style is summed up very well with glenn gary glenn ross and it's also for, for the exact reason that you cited like quentin tarantino taking that 
and extrapolating it and then others kind of ripping him off and kevin smith does it too in his own way but he's talking about comic books or star wars or whatever that might be that's a very like dead style these days i feel like the last one to really employ that was judd apatow who i referenced not long ago like if you watch a movie like funny people there's a lot of that but it's not it doesn't feel as rehearsed and we're going we're hitting point by point by point so would it be i think it's i think it's probably a more inaccessible film certainly today but to the point of Skinamarink, because there's so much that doesn't happen in that movie, and this is how it might have a good impact in a different way, because there's nothing that happens in Skinamarink, and the big payoff is you just see kind of a face in the background, and it's a good payoff for what that movie is. That might actually start to uh, widen the attention spans or deepen the attention spans of filmgoers, which is a very necessary thing right now, because I do think a big part of why movies aren't culturally relevant at the moment is because of the the uh, age old excuse of like, oh, it's the video games or it's oh, it's TikTok or something. I do think that comes into play when it comes to people deciding how to spend their time and what they put their time into. Uh, far less people are, are reading fiction these days. I'm pretty sure if you look at like the bestseller, if there's an overall bestseller list, it would probably be all nonfiction. If that, you know, people have a hard time, I think, investing in stories and in, in art that's going to be uh, very time consuming if they don't already have a level of familiarness with whatever that might be. So they'll sign up for like a 12 episode Harry Potter series. But if you want to introduce something new and it's only like an hour and 45 minutes, that, that becomes a tall order. So where a movie like that comes in handy, I think is it helps right the ship a little bit. Yeah. It it, it forces you, it like resets your expectations and it steals so much sense sensory input from you that yet like you said even one little face is like that's the climax of the movie is something going Mm -hmm. and and that's that's pretty interesting you know and um it's weird that family guy too for how many jokes per minute there was and how like (laughs) overload just every hey lois fucking flying around in the dog's ass um hey beady lemonade or lemonade bonus whatever (laughs) (laughs) i love lemonade whatever the fucking voice like i think by the way i can never do serious fucking south park impressions or family guy there's something weird about impressions that if you do a voice that's already a cartoony voice you you just shoot me and kill me (laughs) If if i did stewie like i could do a perfect stewie if i did that I'd need you to castrate me and throw me in the woods. <laughs> it's like fucked up, like how not okay that is to do. Beavis and Butthead, you could do. Not mm-hmm. Beavis, just Butthead. Yeah. I don't yeah. know. I don't make the rules. That's just what it is. I would be a fraud if I were to do any cartoon voice <laughs> like that. But so what they did was they they had so many jokes per minute. It was such like a high intensity joke per minute pl- uh, thing that they would have these moments of just nothing happening. And like totally pull back. They would they would make the pendulum swing the other way sometimes with the long chicken fight where sometimes mm-hmm. there'd just be a long thing of Peter looking around and nothing happening. And so even that they had to course correct within that own body of work, you know, mm-hmm. I, I hope that it I hope and I don't hope that uh, something like what happened with the Blair Witch happened where, you know, that movie came out and and uh I, I'm not sure how many movies of that kind were out uh, in theaters, 
you know, and then that inspired an entire genre that's mostly misses, I'd say, but that there's some some really good uh, found footage movies. So hopefully, instead of just people trying to do Skinnamarink again, uh, like you guys said, they they take elements from that and and turning into something, I want to say more interesting, uh, because I, I feel like that found footage uh, genre was pretty much started at least mainstream wise by uh, Blair Witch and then you know a lot of trash but uh, but but some some good came out of that and also it opened the audience to you know more than the type of horror that you would get at the time when that came out it was just a little a little less uh, smooth a, a little less uh, you know polished up and more I guess realistic yeah well, Blair Witch, so Blair Witch had kind of a, I feel like it had a, and maybe I'm having a blind spot here, Hans, you probably know, because horror is obviously your genre. Um, I feel like, yeah, I, I feel like Blair Witch had a similar effect to something like uh, the, the reality show, The Real World, where people couldn't identify it right away. Like there, the genre of found footage had, there was a gap between Blair Witch and when found footage really became a oh, yeah. thing. And I feel like it became a thing because of Cloverfield. So um, they didn't quickly understand what that was at the time. And so I think what you wound up having, what I remember from that period immediately following Blair Witch was there were a lot of sci-fi network investigative specials on a fake subject. We were like, well, we're investigating uh, the Jersey Devil or something like that. And it would copy that, but it was its own thing where it was more like unsolved mysteries or some special broadcast and then when you had cloverfield and what was the other big one from that paranormal activity paranormal Paranormal activity activity, yes then you're getting them every couple of months and paranormal activity is the like that really set it off because that was shot for like ten thousand dollars in a house and they made that pretty effective by just just opening a cabinet with a string yeah and it made 200 million (laughs) you know what's the movie signs by m night Shyamalan. The scariest movie, the scariest part in that film, for me at least, was that it's behind. And then the animal goes. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> like the walking th- like that's I I love how terrified that made me feel as a like, I don't know how old I was when it, when it came out. But that I wonder if they almost like the opposite where you got skin and this long thing of this drawn out idea and then you squish it into a motif that you use. Uh, and you pay homage to it and put in a larger thing that's kind of the opposite where like it's the small moment this found footage moment in a movie movie and then you expand on that and you make you know Blair Witch Project like the kind of opposite happened where you take one little thing and you make it the whole thing I, I wonder I don't know what the timeline is on that I know Cloverfield you know what one of those things that spawned off that was pretty good the found footage movie is Creep with that Ooh, guy Mark Duplass. Duplass yeah, yeah. The guy. He's the guy from the league that didn't lie about 9-11. And mm-hmm. <laughs> that's how bad fucking that guy did. <laughs> like, Mark, Nick Kroll, was he? No, he didn't lie about 9-11. That's that guy, the big mouth guy. Yeah, the big headed one. Big head, yeah. Um, But so Creep and Creep 2, I genuinely liked. I haven't watched it in a long time, but I thought those, those were really good too. And um, yeah, I mean, th- th- did that kind of die? I mean footage yeah i mean well i mean um, well skinamarink's not found footage that's just kind of that analog horror is the new thing so yeah. that's what what people are considering that okay. um it kind of has 
died out. Like, what was the last big thing that was found footage? Five Nights at Freddy, the video game. Not really, but that's analog. I mm. guess that's right. It's a movie coming out, right? For that. Yeah. Yeah. A real they already one. Did a Nick Cage fake one, you know? Like, <laughs> yeah. They actually got the the franchise permission, I guess. I'm really disappointed uh, in that fucking movie. I want the. Yeah. That was a piece of shit. It, <laughs> it was suck. not. I thought it was going to be bad, but fun at least. It was just whatever. It was really, really bad. He had three movies that came out, I think, in, in rapid succession. It was that one, that fake Five Nights at Freddy's, uh, Mandy, and then uh, Color from the Center of the Earth or from Outer Color Space. Color out of space. Yeah. yeah. Which I like that one. I think that one did a lot of weird stuff that was unconventional, you know, but I don't know how true to Lovecraft they stuck to in order to make it that off the beaten path, but I, I like that. We covered that. I feel like that was our first show we covered of 2020. And then the week after that, we had like nothing for nine months, no <laughs> movies at all to talk about. Yeah. Uh, yeah, they did some interesting things with Colorado Space, but uh, that was around the time where he got out of actor jail and he could do quality pro. He got out of whatever debt he was in and he well, started was being a- more selective. There was also the comeback of, uh, what's his name? Richard Ramirez? Very, what's his no, name? Yes, that's Richard. right. No, you're right. It's Richard Ramirez. who's the Night Stalker. Um, Richard, I know who you're talking about. He directed Island of Dr. Moreau. For Stanley. Richard, Richard Stanley. Stanley. Yeah. And boy, did he flame out quick. Oh, yeah? Yeah, so yeah. Richard Stanley had like a 20-year layoff when he was directing. He directed, what was it? He directed the, it was a prequel or a sequel to something like sci-fi property in the 80s the movie hardware hardware yeah it is dust devil i think those were his two hardware yeah hardware was technically impressive had a lot of cool designs and then he got signed on to direct uh the marlon brando film island of dr moreau and val kilmer at the height of his fame like batman forever val kilmer signed on to star and both of them just gave him like the worst time of his life on that set. They didn't respect him as a director. Val Kilmer just like he took a cigarette and he would go up to like the sound guy's eye uh, ear and just get as close as possible and burn the sound guy just because he could. Marlon Brando refused to show up to set. He would just lay in a hammock. And if he did show up to set, it would just be in his underwear and he'd be eating in scenes. Oh, my God. Marlon Brando. Fat as hell, by the way, like 300 yes. pounds, Marlon Brando. Yes. Yeah. So his son, I think, died while he was on set and oh. he had to go away for a while. And then he came back and he was like all the more checked out. Like Marlon Brando is notoriously very difficult to work with. But then you get him during that period and he's just like, he's like, nope, this is my production now. I, I'm going to wear like a rice paint on my face. Why? I don't know. It's just what I want for the character, and you're going to have to deal with it because I'm Marlon Brando. Mm-hmm. And so Richard Stanley was like, ah, fuck, ah, this, this situation. So he didn't know how to navigate it. They fired him and brought in John Frankenheimer, who uh, directed The Manchurian Candidate. There you go. Man, yeah. he's a big boy. <laughs> Whew. But do you think that, like, do you think there's any logic or sanity or any good points in any of the choices he made? Or is it just like, fuck off brando yeah so i, I think it's, at this it's, it's point kinda, at this point he was probably just checked out yeah, i know, mean just... it's hard to boil it down because i think ultimately whatever you wind up getting 
from Marlon Brando, if he's if he's putting any effort at all or putting any intellect into his performance, it's going to be something interesting. And it's better to have like five percent Brando, whether he's cooperative or not, than zero percent, because mm. you're people will go back to that and they'll watch that and they'll study that and see why it was bad, even if it like. So yeah, I I don't know. I'll give you another example here, but he's always been that way. He was always that way. He's been dead for like 30 years. Uh, on Apocalypse Now, he uh, he got cast as Colonel Kurtz. And when he showed up to set, he was like 60 pounds heavier than what Francis Ford Coppola expected him to be. And uh, he had a contract for like 14 days on the set in Cambodia or wherever they were shooting. And for like 11 of those days, he just spent it telling... Coppola, oh no, I, I couldn't possibly do this role. I can't, I, I really can't do this role. I'm so, I can't do this. And uh, he was like embarrassed about his weight or something. And then Coppola realized like, oh, we're now 11 days down. I have three days with Marlon Brando. Let me just get a body double and we'll shoot him from the head up. Wow. And so you see all like these body shots of that character that are like some other guy and they shaved his head. He apparently had like a really stupid hairdo during that time too. The character was not bald originally. And uh, he made it work in like the last three days. But Marlon Brando was always very, very difficult for directors. He was always a puzzle that had to be solved. I, I you know, obviously, my God, legend, mm -hmm. legend, total legend. But you know, same thing with Bob Dylan, legend. Um, but when they do this sort of like, hey man, I'm an enigma. Figure, work with this shit. Yeah. Yeah, the film school shit. We were just like, shut the fuck up. Just Hans was like, like this, it. by the way, on Mass State Lottery. It. He was such a problem. <laughs> he refused to read his lines. Yeah, he said, actually, I'm going to make up all my dialogue today. I said, what are you talking about, Hans? And you said, what did you say? I'm the captain now? You started quoting Barkat Abdi, Academy yeah. Award nominee? He would be like, all you have to do is sit here. And I'd be like, what is my motivation for sitting here, though? <laughs> and that <laughs> would take up of... three hours just having to explain that. Why not sit here? My character would sit here. I'm I'm yeah, having yeah. a an issue with my character's hair because it's growing, and it's not. I don't. I think it needs to be trimmed to look like what it was, to be sequential. So mm -hmm. we'll have to talk about that and figure it out. We might even have to do it ourselves, like looking at the footage and kind of just just cutting filming. your hair accordingly to that. Yeah, I have a similar problem here where my roots are starting to come out, and I'm mm -hmm. pretty blonde in a lot of. OFCs. I mean, we should not be talking about this on the show, but uh, yeah, I wish we, we should just go like Hans. Hans, what's your hair like? Can you take that hat off real quick? You just, this. Yeah, I think that's the move for oh. everybody. <laughs> yeah. Unless Easy. you have like five o'clock chat. Well, and when do you get stubble? Like how many days? This? Yeah. This is like a no, two no. weeks. No. <laughs> oh, on my, <laughs> on my head? No, uh, every I have to shave it every two days because if not, then I'll get stubble and then you can really see the hurt. Uh, yeah. So, I, I yeah, every, every couple of days I have to shave it. Dang. You use a straight razor? Yeah. Nice. I was like, I was thinking about growing it uh, and uh, I left it for like, I don't know, three weeks uh, and uh, it was terrible. It looked like cutting on my head. <laughs> I was like, I've always had straight hair, but now it just... It grows in like three patches and it just looked like I was just a crackhead. You should do like the Simon from Fish Tank kind of look. The skullet. Yeah. That's how, actually speaking of skin and rink and then that inspiring, not Big Brother, but the real world. And you're like, you know, what exactly is there? How much of this is like leading us and babying us with a narrative? 
you know, or is it like interpret this as you will? Here is some reality for you, or here's a thing, and it you make of it what you will. And I think people are smart enough to do that. I think people are put themselves behind the curtain enough and everybody's kind of like a critic and everybody kind of knows enough to be like, well, I didn't like that and that. But no matter if you're involved in movie making, acting or comedy or what, everybody kind of knows the tricks, you know? Mm-hmm. So even when it comes to, that's why I don't watch stand up anymore. Cause I know it's like a magic trick essentially. And I'm like, I already know I've been, you know, I'd rather watch Penn Gillette and Penn and Teller like, tell me what makes actually that. do magic yes you do magic <laughs> no pen 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 and teller yeah i'd rather watch them expose magic than do magic and it's like that's why i kind of liked opie and anthony more so than stand up because yeah. you could see like the rawness of it you know like they would just make shit funny just in the moment and then that's how you could tell who's actually funny or not mm-hmm. meanwhile uh, one of the biggest comedians in the world jeff ross at that time he was starting to really kill it with the roast and everything like that. He goes on Opie and Anthony and he really can't hang. Mm. And Pat, uh, Patton Oswald, he went on there and he, he was just fanboying and he couldn't really be funny. And so it was kind of crazy that, you know, all these underground guys like Bob Kelly, Rich Voss, and, you know, you, Louis CK would do great on there. Patrice O'Neill and stuff. It's like, they weren't on top of the world by any means. They were just kind of hardworking comics and they would do the best of just being funny as guys in the room. So. Yeah, just comfortable bullshitting, which right. is not the same skill, I guess. As to like, I could never do stand up. I can bullshit with you guys for hours, but I couldn't stand in front of an audience of anything, even three people, and not shake uncontrollably, and <laughs> my throat would close up, and I would just uh, just start crying and run away. Uh, but but there, well, if you you, I feel like you could come up with an act and do it. I've seen enough like of that happen that i think you actually could like if you if you are a person with a sense of humor because they're believe it or not it's not i did say everybody's kind of like got a peek behind the curtain they're they're jaded they want to see the bloopers instead of the actual thing but there's so many rubes out there that fucking fall for anything and they uh i don't know i think there are kind of like a large portion of dummies out there that would still like to watch the thing and um marvel i mean i'm not i like marvel movies but you know what i mean when i say marvel movie fans are just uh fucking retards is what what you're saying they're fucking (laughs) retards now i enjoy those movies but they are a lot of them are just retards that what is your favorite marvel movie yeah i just watched ant-man into the ant-man verse or whatever (laughs) okay um, i haven't seen that one so I, you know, I'm the least harsh uh, critic on things. I, I enjoyed it. I, you know what it is? I get bored when there's like romance stuff, like, you know, the, this obligatory. That's why I think uh, we've been just burning through the John Wicks because mm-hmm. I never came up until like a month ago. We started watching them and now we're got the fourth one, me and my wife to watch. And uh, they just don't leave you bored. There's just no like very few moments of like him looking at a picture and having a sentimental moment and you're like okay cool that's enough of that but it's the you know speaking of of marvel the fucking um the amazing spider-man or whatever with andrew garfield it was just like twilight but spider-man it was like too much oh we get it like they unfurled that over if yeah it was like a two and a half hour movie 
where you have a good chunk of that is something you already saw and a better version of it with Tobey Maguire and Kirsten Dunst and a much more talented director with Sam Raimi. Yeah, I I agree with you on that for certain. I mean, it's it's tough to not be jaded and jaded and also be also be online. Oh, I'm getting feedback from one of two. I'm hearing you twice. Three I'm hearing you twice, Hans. Oh no, that, that's Ryan. That's <laughs> it's me. All right, yep. now it's still yep. there, but maybe it's gone now. I hope so. I hope so. No, is oh, it no. almost? Oh boy! All right, I think we're. This. I think we're okay. Yeah, I, know. I think we're good now. I don't know yep. what what just happened. There, it's but, a thing uh, that happens. So. To uh to the point I was making before, what was the point, Hans? What was I talking I, about? I was trying Andrew to Garfield. think about it. No, Andrew, no, no, yeah. It was right after Andrew Garfield. God uh, Sam Raimi is a better director. No, no, no. Uh, Toby uh, McGuire. Toby McGuire. That's Toby McGuire. You, you've already uh, seen something you've seen before, and it was better with Toby. McGuire. Oh, oh, okay. oh, here we go. Uh, mm-hmm. I think it's very tough to not be like jaded as somebody who makes something and also exists online, but you have to keep in mind like there's. I think there's as many people that aren't hip to the process of whether it's like comedy or filmmaking or whatever, even if that's accessible and you can understand that a lot easier than you could in the past. Um, uh, there's a lot of people that just aren't online and aren't tuned into those spaces. I'll give you an example. A friend of mine who I do another podcast with, we call it Old Boys, and Hans quit this show, Old Boys, because he just can't sit down and tolerate <laughs> listening to this guy ramble um does not ever buy things online he does all of his shopping in person wow and he like he doesn't even know how to use ebay or anything like that that's amazing and he's 30 or 31 so it's not like an old dude so there's a lot of people that just are shut off to those avenues or don't care to explore very like big avenues of uh exploration or trying to understand creative processes on things and or, I mean, clearly, if they're showing up to, and I'm not lumping you in this category, Ryan, if they show up to Marvel movies sure. reliably, and those are like the top grossing films, and they look worse and worse every single time. If you watch like Iron Man from 2008, I'm willing to bet the CG in that movie looks as good or maybe even slightly better than whatever was probably in like Ant-Man. Um, they can't tell the difference. The average person showing up to the movies can't tell the difference in that CG. So... Even if it's like decaying in real time for somebody like myself, um, they aren't, they don't have the, like the, the eye for that. So they can't notice that. So they're very, uh, it's still magic as you put it, you know? So I, I don't know. It's, um, I don't think it's as black and white as, as what it seems like being on the inside of it. Being on the inside, it, it, Honestly, like the, the criticism where everybody's a critic, that is online stuff. And the mm-hmm. people that are eating this up are not doing a Yelp review style tweet about the thing. So it feels like the world is like, yeah, we don't like this new weird uh, tranny Disney movie or whatever. But the like uh, the majority of the world does. And they think that's great and awesome. Like it was like going to Creator Clash. They were cheering for like here's mikey sampson and like a youtuber that has like a kabillion followers and i'm like i i have never heard of this guy i yeah. am online i've i don't know who the fuck that is and people are going like an entire arena is going like yay and they mm-hmm. mean it and it's like i'm on the outside here i am the minority but it's weird that when you're online 
all of the people uh, that would be like, we are seeing a decay in quality across the board when it comes to writing the CGI. It's like uh, it, we're part of a small group of people that can tell and point that out. And I, I, I think you're right. too. It, I, there's something about that, too, that I think my wife explained to me that the old kind of veterans of animation and stuff like that they're kind of like moved on from disney or pixar or whatever and you got kind of like young people that i don't know that want to make a tiktok about like what they ate for lunch so this is an average day at disney so i walk in i grab a brand muffin i get some kombucha they just made a brand new rest pavilion so i could hang out and pet a dog on my break then i go to work and blah blah it's like i think they like the idea of their life yeah. more than like their work and their life and there's maybe lots of corners being cut or they fuck it. They're think they're checked out before they even start working. But across the board, like everything's getting worse. I noticed toys getting worse because, um, you know, just at the end of my uh, youth, when I still like was looking at toys and I would buy, you know, some toys for my little nephew's birthday, my little cousin's birthday. I'm like, these are shit compared to what we had. We had fucking 18 points of articulation spider-man and stuff and now they're just like blocky legos like yeah just... if you want cool ones now you have to spend like 80 bucks on yeah. like some company that makes them to order or something and yeah, like not, not in stores yeah yeah yeah. not in they're stores like 200 dollars. yeah hot toys are like 300 bucks yeah. and it's just an action figure with uh, uh you know multiple hands and multiple heads and very right. detailed but you have to spend a show it's right. for well, adults it, it's not yeah yes children, so that yeah. that's the big thing too is like a lot of the and when it comes to like a trans disney princess um they know that millennials aren't reproducing and so the primary uh consumer base is that 30 year old millennial so they're they're gearing everything towards that which is why they do market those $300 action figures right at grown men who want to add it to their shelf yeah. in the background along with the Funko Pops. Hey, line that. What the fuck, dude? <laughs> nice. I got wow. tons of other stuff like beans. Most oh my of God, this is, is that Gavin's. E. Most of this is Gavin's. Like, I don't. Yeah, most um, of mine is Gavin's too. <laughs> I don't like anthrax enough to have an Ian Scott guy. That's us. Uh, that's Def Defura. That's also Hitler. That's but he's is that there. an Alfred E. Newman Batman? Yes. I had a Superman Alfred E. Newman. <laughs> no way. Yeah. His arm. I don't fell have off. any of these things. I do. You know, I have some like. Um, I don't know if it was Neca. No, the people that are behind uh, Funko Pops, mm -hmm. whoever they are. They made uh, like fake Kenner uh, toys, like, you know, the old style bubble packaging. Yeah. Uh, so I have like a Terminator and I have like a Predator. And I kept them in the box, like just just because like they they harken back to like old action figures. But yeah, dude, I don't know. It's a shame watching everything decline, even video games. It's so stunning. The One of the things I love the most is looking at the carnage of the video game industry. I don't know a lot of this stuff, but. I just put on a video about um, Gears of War. Like, I've only played the first one, but they were showing the the physics in the game suck. You used to be able to, like, see the bullet holes go into a thing and, like, the, the, the buildings around you, like, break down and stuff. And then they just, they don't anymore. You should shoot the water and water would come up and that just is not there anymore. And meanwhile, this is, like, four games in, like, with better, you know, better uh, 
resources that these and a name that people recognize you know they would not just buy the first one because it's gears of war right they're just in already so just fuck it and then just give you garbage it's it's insane like the quality of stuff going down and then even if you look at uh like um some snacks like uh Hot Pockets. Hot Pockets used to be dope when they first came <laughs> Are out. Are Hot Pockets on the decline right now? Oh, my God. Yeah, they put way less filling. And by the way, the, the croissant pockets where it's supposed to have the flaky crust, it's like the same crust. Bro, the flavors of everything is like they're go they're going away. Dude, everything is really sucking. Like, it's crazy. It is crazy. Smaller pop tarts are smaller. They used to be gooey. You open them up and they're like, wow, that's a lot of s'mores shit in there. There's not uh, anymore. It's yeah, like a flat. It's yeah. crazy. Everything is getting worse. It's true. I was noting that too with like Amazon.com just feels so cheap these days. They'll send you like all the Chinese results immediately before you get to anything good. It's, it feels very wish.com anytime you're shopping on Amazon. I try to avoid that as much as possible mm -hmm. these days. Yeah. It's just, yeah, I, I, I don't understand what happened. Where, and as far as like games go, there was like an interesting tweet that I saw where it was like, graphics from 1998 graphics from 2002 and they were comparing i think it was final fantasy 7 or something next to final fantasy x and just how it escalated so quickly and now things just kind of stay the same like the innovation has come to a halt as far as any sort of um visual effects in in game design it seems like yeah and then unless, if you look at, un, unless they take and, like 10 years to make a game and then once it comes right. out no one's excited about it anymore because it's been 10 years yeah look at early mtv like the the interstitials that they did even um like conan they used to have like just a still image of like you know a, like a, a fruit basket that looks like conan like bananas the hair or whatever they just used to be so creative and if you look at all those claymation interstitials things that were just spliced in just little just little effort. flourishes of creativity it was <laughs> awesome. effort or something yeah yeah not just yeah. just phoning it in or something I, I don't know but you don't need much to to have a quality thing you just like glenn gary glenn ross you just need some words on the page some actors that could deliver it um and how did that how did that make you feel the the movie because it makes me feel like I, I like watching it it's like just as thrilling as any action movie but i end up feeling very like a little sad uh but it's fine like it's i accept the feelings that i feel but it's i just feel like everybody's so pathetic and they <laughs> yeah. lose just left and right they're just losses you know what i said i said it's like spiritual carnage like i said to my wife she's like oh my god and i was like wasn't do you did you see the utter destruction that happened to these souls like these people are ruined <laughs> they are they're there's just carnage there's just soul pieces fucking scattered everywhere like it is yeah, no brutal one, who, who wins kevin spacey i guess not really alex if you baldwin looked at the news no, I'm just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> no i guess so but he doesn't well, even he's... win too because all of his guys are like gone now and he's in yeah. a sinking ship too it's it all sucks. Well, Travolta's the, only there to do the speech at the beginning, right? And yeah, that's Alec, yeah, that's John Travolta. I mean, Alan <laughs> Gary. Yeah, John Travolta. Hey, you gotta sell some stuff. <laughs> yeah, come on. Yeah, no, that would be good. You know what? 
when we were talking about James Woods before, I feel like he would have fit into this cast really well. Oh yeah. And I think John Travolta as um Alec Baldwin character might would be really interesting. I don't know if he'd hit it as hard. But funny thing, when they so Al, Al Pacino is still after this movie was attached to it in the play form and he played Shelley, the most pathetic character, Jack Lemmon's character. Mm. So it's weird from having him be Richard Roma, this kind of mm. like seductively great salesman um, to to the most pathetic one. It, it's it's cool. There, there, there's some clips of it online and they have um, Bobby. Kind of Valley. Carnivale, yeah, he plays um one of the one of the other guys. I forget who he plays in there, but it, it's I want to see that. I, I don't think that's it's running right now, but if I wish they had like a full play version that I could watch, I would pay for it. That's because it's a little different, but ultimately the spirit's the same, you know. Yeah, I was thinking when I was watching the movie, like you could just make this movie every ten or fifteen years with like a new rotation of guys, and it would have a different effect and probably be just as good. Um, oh my God. Sounds awesome. I, I think they could easily do that. And, you know, it, it lends itself to that obviously being a play in source material. But, yeah, no, I would be very interested in seeing, like, an A-list cast give their yeah. interpretation of that, especially if you have Al Pacino in the mix as that character. He's so – I guess he's very, like, versatile. He can play that. He's a little guy. He's yeah, a little yeah. guy, 80 years old, pumping out seed like he's 25. I can't believe I that. I saw a picture of him walking with his, like – you know, online and autistic incel son to go see a movie. Mm -hmm. And I was like, that's awesome. And son. Um, but he yeah, has he, an autistic he, son too. I thought Robert De Niro had all the autistic sons. I guess he borrowed one. <laughs> <laughs> Is that what old cum produces? Just it's not vaccines. It's just old semen. Uh, I love I, this picture. Yeah. I really do. Like, I think it's sweet, but it's, um, you know, he's got like some. Is that Wayne from hat. Wayne's World? Oh wow! <laughs> Party on, fucking dude. Uh, but yeah. Anyway, so I just, I just it looks like sweet. he's been drinking a couple of Dunkachinos more than he should, <laughs> huh, guys? Dunkin', 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 Dunkachino. Uh, Pacino's yeah, still great too. If you if you I watch know. anything De Niro now, it's clearly like he's got, like, what, what was he last good in? Joker, Irishman. You know, um, Pacino, I feel like is very consistently good. Even if it's a piece of shit movie, he's going to be great. And he yeah. makes the most of whatever screen time you give him. Like even once upon a time in Hollywood, you kind of forget he's in that movie. But when he pops up, he's. Oh, horrific. yeah. Yeah. Um, he was he did. A, he announced uh, some award or something at the E3 gate, which is another great flop of a thing when you just see brutality of how bad things are. Mm -hmm. that used to be such an exciting thing you're like yeah the fucking uh, video game awards there's gotta be some cool stuff it just sucks now but they got Al Pacino's like I don't really know what I'm doing here I guess my kid likes to play video games but here we go <laughs> he's just like having fun he's just having fun he's a fun guy yeah um, De Niro this year uh, did a movie where he plays old Italian dad of uh, Sebastian Maniscalco what oh yeah and he fucks Kim Cattrall in this movie Oh God! So, so this was another comedy-based vehicle movie. Damn, we should have done a double feature of these two movies. Although I do oh. like Gene the Machine and the Machine. That was that's clever. The machine Kelly, yeah. <laughs> machine Gun Kelly, special guest. I just uh, like how old world, 
you know Jack Lemmon's character was. It's just like a dying thing, and his tricks of salesmanness are work on nobody. Hilarious, just, yeah. You're just like dying inside. He's like, oh, well, that just reminds me. Oh, look at that. It's on sale. Wouldn't you know it? You know, I'm going to be in town for another three days. Do you think the missus will be in? Uh, I think she's out till Monday. You know, hold on one second. Yes. Okay. <laughs> You'll never believe it. I'm here till Monday. Why? So why don't we just pen in the thing? And it's just the guys. Well, that like, whole scene when he goes to that man's house and yeah. he like goes through his whole thing and the guy's just like, yeah, no, I don't, I don't care. It's like, no, but this and this. And he's like, no, I'm, no, my wife's yeah. not here. I'm leaving. I don't care. It's so brutal. And the only way that you can sell something is what Richard Roma did. He sat next to the guy and just emotionally manipulated him. <laughs> it's not about the product. He put, he puts out the pamphlet. He's like, what is this? This might mean something. It might not. What is this? And it's like ASMR. He lays the fucking, the shiny laminated fucking pamphlet out. And he's like, what is this? Florida? Bullshit. Maybe, maybe not. Who knows? And he opens it up. But this, what is this? And it's like a shitty shot of like flamingos on a fucking golf course or something. He's like, Glengarry Islands. This could be the few. I don't know what. So the only just like attaching yourself to somebody. So to a point where they don't want to feel like they're letting you down if they don't buy whatever the fuck this is. You have to like emotionally trick them and like arrest them. And make them feel bad, like play their emotions into it, because the product is not going to sell itself. And it's 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 like it's brutal. It's brutal. This poor guy, he, he can't defend himself. He can't say no because he'll feel bad. <laughs> and then his, he's like my wife and then this whole thing. And it's it's so good. We probably shouldn't spoil this one too much because there are some turns, you know, and I feel like a lot of people maybe I'm assuming, but I haven't seen it. I hadn't Hope- seen it until this time. I actually and, hadn't and, watched it until you recommended it to me months ago. So yeah, wild. And I was so happy when you were like, "We." I just watched it. Like you watched it like pretty shortly after I suggested it. I think GMAC did too. Mm-hmm. And that just was like, that's so good because this is it. Really, is an experience you want to share to people because it's just you know, there's no fanciness to it. Just actors and emotions and and the stakes are so low and mundane. Like they talk about leads. I don't know sales. The average person watching this doesn't know what a lead is. I'm still I'm still not sure if I do. But they make it they they boost this up and they make it so important be like I need those leads. These leads are shit. Give me the good leads. And you're like now you're like eating your the popcorn you're like get the fucking leads, dude. <laughs> I, I we need leads. They also did a, a really good job of pacing each character and give them like their own time because they all get I don't think Pacino's not in the whole movie. I think he's with the first, what, half an hour? Yeah, he maybe? comes in and out a little bit. Yeah, yeah. It's, which is, I guess, very play-like, you know, where you just give the character a chance to come and, like, say their piece. and then You give everyone their own time to monologue, yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. and uh, the Patel bit really got to <laughs> yeah, me. How the Patels. How it's like, no, not even, even, the, I'm assuming the lead is just perspective uh or possible clients but the the patel bit where bit where it's just like yeah they they just like talking like they're they never buy anything they don't have any money they're just indian indian or he calls them the patels i don't remember exactly what they're just like lonely and they just want to yap and they want company (laughs) yeah it's yeah yeah. and and it's almost like pulp fiction is pulp fiction-esque in the fact that wait that's true but, but i don't know which one came out first but doesn't matter. i believe basically 
I think this huh? was 93 or so, and Pulp Fiction was 95. I could be wrong about that, but Interesting. I think so. So, yeah, I, I saw some video where it said that inspired him, but I'm not sure. Maybe maybe even down to the cinematography, because they really, it feels chapter-esque. They're like, here's the mm. um, Ed, it's not Ed Wood, right? Who is that? Ed Harris? Harris, yeah. Yeah, Ed Harris. Ed Harris. Here's his little section, then here's this guy, and... They all just do so, so good. And, you know, the Alec Baldwin part was written for the movie. That part was not in the play. Yes. Yeah. And it's it's just hard to picture it without that. But it's, you know, it's one of the most, like, not one of the most, like, uh, homaged or made fun of things, but SNL made fun of it. It became the, the iconic scene of the movie is uh, yeah. Coffee is for Closers. That, that right. whole bit with Alec Baldwin lecturing them on how to make the sales, how to, how to behave as salesmen. Yeah, I think, I think there's something special and kind of interesting about this kind of movie where you strip everything else away and you literally just have the acting and everything is either emoted or it's communicated through the dialogue. And that's the only thing that matters. Everything's in that little office for the most part. I think you go yeah. over to like a diner or a cafe and you see maybe a house. Uh, Pacino mm -hmm. getting off the train. You know, yeah. you'll you'll have little bits here and there, but for the most part, it is very stationary and it gives you the bare minimum and it shows you what you can do with that. It's but it, but yeah. that thing that Ryan said is really interesting too, how the stakes are very low, but at the same time, it's their life. Like they need... Like he, if he, if he doesn't get this $6,000 bonus or whatever, then he's done, you know, he's fucked. So they, yeah. they all desperately need whatever little they can get from this thing. But the, the, the most they can get is not even that impressive. Uh, no. It's just, you know, <laughs> the stakes are down here, but we need to, you know, get there. Uh, otherwise we're fucked. And yeah, every, everyone gives such a, such a good performance. Uh, uh, like you said, being just kind of a down and out desperate loser do you kill a cat you just step like on your cats, cat huh cats are fighting <laughs> it's like the last fight it's like the the desperation and the pointlessness of their energy and their efforts and their their worries and whatever it kind of all it, it's weird how they do this flash forward thing in one one line like it makes you feel it made me feel like uh all right all of it it's over and it didn't matter and I felt like nihilistic and depressed from this one line that Alec Baldwin, he's like, yeah, you're going to be at the bar one day. Like, yeah, I used to be a salesman once. It's a tough racket. And then he kicks the imaginary glass back. Mm -hmm. And it's like he, what he just did was this everything that we're dealing with right now, it's over. It's gone. You're not a salesman anymore. You're drinking and telling somebody about it. And it's just like, I don't, I don't know why, but it just projects you into the future and it's like yeah it's it's all falling away it's all done and all it is is just a story and now get back to it you know and it's just like mm -hmm. it feels so like desperate and man it i the only feeling i get to this and it's hard to explain it is seeing like toys in a dollar store uh where you're just seeing there's a guy who made that toy there's a factory that produces it there's a truck that brings it to this dollar store and then some Mexican kid is going to have their Nana buy it for him. And it sucks. It's like <laughs> not even a GI Joe. It's like corpse. He does. His points of articulation mm. are just his arms. He doesn't even stand right. He doesn't missing fit a the hand. Tank it comes with yeah. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> guns. Yeah. Don't fit in his hand. It's like, who is this made for? Are we at the end of our society? Is this the fall of Rome? Cause this is just pointless. And the same thing with like the stakes and going there, you're going to 
who cares about these fucking properties? And it's just a con. And why are you trying so hard? Why do you care? And it, the abysmal nothingness that they're participating in and fighting for, it's like, it still matters. And that's kind of the beauty in it. It's like, whatever you want to make matter, whatever you want to be passionate about and fight for and be motivated for, uh, motivated about matters, you know, just a matter of perspective, really. And so it's, it's like, it's nurturing for the soul. And it's also a little nihilistic. It depends on what your scope is on it, but it could be both. I could feel both things and while watching the movie. Yeah, I was going to say that would be a very bleak note to end on, but you kind of, you swung it back <laughs> into a positive section. And then I imagine think... listening to a podcast about the bleakness. <laughs> <and> the... <laughs> it does come back to opening up that hot pocket and seeing just how hollow it is. Power fighters. Power wow. Fighters. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I definitely that saw hurts. those at Family Dollar. Oh. That's, uh, that... that's, did you get those, Hans? I know you're Mexican. <laughs> It's just a hundred. Oh, wait. It, what fucking cur Indian currency? Of course. A hundred, 129 rupees or whatever they're, I don't know what power they're. Nice. To get awesome. some power fighters. Yeah. That's the, yeah. that's the next big franchise. That's where film's going is power <laughs> fighters. So we need action figures for Omega Fish Corp. I, I would love action. We can get them done. It would be I a little, it. it probably wouldn't be as expensive as you'd think. But uh, it would it would be a hassle. But I think it could be fun. That'd be amazing. Yeah. All right. I think I think that's a good note to end on. Is uh, is the nihilism? That's very my jam. All right, Ryan. Thank you so much for coming on the show no today, problem. talking about uh, a wide variety of subjects here. And uh, if you guys have not seen it, go check out Glenn Gary, uh, Glenn Ross, and maybe I guess if you're like a Burt Kreischer fan, maybe The Machine. Hans, would you recommend the machine to end? I know you gave it one star on Letterboxd. Would you recommend it to fans of him? Yeah, anybody. Uh, I mean, yeah. Why not? Yeah, why? Yeah, it's got. I think it's got enough for the average person to enjoy some of it, especially because they don't make this type of like gross out comedies anymore, and. It's pretty graphic with its violence too. There's a lot of like, there's a beheading scene where the face just, uh, the head just falls on him, and it's just a bunch of blood, and it's all played serious too. I wish they left that woman dead. By the way, I didn't get to say that. I wish when they shot her in the oh, chest the a couple times, she just stayed yeah. dead. I was like, oh, all right, great, this is gonna get good now. And then of course she comes back in thirty minutes. Yeah. I, was like, I knew oh, that. I saw that coming from a mile away. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I thought she here. would have that whole thing where like, oh, it's this thing that I have on my chest, but it was just a bulletproof vest, which I like. Again, they they mm. still skirted the cliche of there was a life saving phone in my chest or something. No, it was a bulletproof vest. Yeah, like yeah. All right. Well, that's been movies for this week. Check out Ryan. Where, where do you where do you want people to go? Uh, on Twitter at Asian Pat Dixon, or and then you could see my uh, see our stuff on censored.tv. I have my own show. I had celebrity mailbag. I, I was just Tim Pool yesterday. Uh, I've been Jack Black before. I've been a whole bunch of other people, and I, I think it's a fun show. This is what it looks like. This is what the celebrity mailbag. Uh, Jack Black, Mike Tyson, Ron DeSantis. You know what we're doing in Florida is really nuts because we're taking the gay books that they're that the LGBT community and we're taking them off of the shelves. Patrick Beck, David, Donald Trump. Wait, who's Ching Chong? Is that a celebrity too that I'm not familiar with? No, there are just original characters like the <laughs> oh, okay. time Korean pop star. <laughs> oh, okay. uh, Michael Lincoln is a is a character I've created. He's just a 
a wholesome black gentleman. Uh, Bernard is a super fan of the show, so like he'll reference the show and be like, "Remember that time where?" And uh, that one's really funny. I do Nick Rochefort and Jet Neptune. Yo, thank you for the twenty-five dollar donation. Donation. Thanks for becoming a severe beast. I really appreciate that. My Jet Neptune, Tommy Lee Jones. Uh, I used to have some guests on there. We got um, we got uh, Alex Alex Stein. Wait, Alex Stein. Alex Stein? Even... <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> Alex Schultz. And we have Alex Stein. I was Alex Stein, and then he was also on the show while I was on Benjamin. There's a whole bunch wow. of people. I was Tony Stark. I had a light up chest. Damn, thing. the Tony Stark. <laughs> the Tony Stark. Wow. Tony That's Soprano. how you're getting in with this audience is Tony Stark. That's correct. Yeah, there's a bunch of fun, wacky things in there. That's if you want to see me, if you want to see all the other stuff stuff very talented people on there i won't mention their names because they're banned and i don't want your youtube channel to get in trouble but censored.tv wonderful are you gonna do i saw a clip a stray clip in the wild uh someone asked you if you're gonna do like a crossover with jack the perfume nationalist is that is, is there anything going on with that is that gonna be a thing so i i've been seeing his tweets because i i've now follow the perfume nationalist on yeah. twitter and i like that i, I don't agree with some of the tweets but those have been the most fun follows lately where like politically we might not align but i i think there's a resurgence of not caring like putting that aside and being like whatever i think what you're doing is interesting and i was looking into his stuff just before coming here because i just seen one of his tweets he was yelling at ian miles chong who was like what happened to lena dunham and he's like fuck you <laughs> he's like, Bitch. that sounds very jack yeah yeah uh, and, and, yeah, yeah. He's I, I, I think he's very fun. I think he's kind of he's an interesting character. I did his show back in last year and mm -hmm. I'm supposed to do it again uh, this summer to talk about like The Shining and uh, Dr. Sleep, which is I wonder what perfume will he match to that? So we did it. Uh, we did a show on it before and he sent me like some 12 year old girl fucking cotton candy. Like what, what was it? Forever 21 Sephora like scent to go oh, with wow. it and it was like it stunk up my desk for a week <laughs> that's I just amazing smelled. i love the movie yeah. it but that's one of my favorite movies like the new it mm -hmm. the whole in the second one too i don't know why but i i i love that i like the the vibe of it and the creepiness is just it's almost creepy for me but yeah i love that movie i like the theme song the every 27 years mm -hmm. i i just i i like that and yet again i like a retelling of a thing and I think uh, like paying homage and whatever and just retellings, reboots or whatever, if they're good, I think that one's really good. But, um, yeah, I like that whole concept. He pairs the perfume to it and whatever. But I was looking into him, seeing some of the stuff, and I just got a new fragrance. I'm very much into colognes. I like them a lot. I think it's an art. You know, I think yeah. it's a really interesting art. And um, and uh, it heightens your your presence a little bit too you know it depends it's a fine line you don't want to offend people by being too smelling like a thing mm -hmm. but it's a fun little you know expression tool of expression but i was looking him up and i found out that he did a movies with you and i was yes. just that's the last thing that's on my uh youtube right now so i'm gonna finish watching that it's you guys there hans you had hair back then maybe yeah. that was a mass state lottery yeah we're coincide? probably like I feel like I've gone back to earlier episodes of movies and we both have like big chunky faces. Yeah. It was like right in the middle of COVID. We're very oh, comfortable. Yeah. Look at that. Was, was that the uh, Survivor? 
We did an episode on Survivor with Jack, and we did one on Exorcist to the Heretic. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah he'll I never think... have me on because I made a joke about wearing Old Spice, I think. And... <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah, yeah, so yeah I think... I wanted I to get. I, I still want to get Jack on Omega Fish Corp. I like him for. Um, I don't. I don't know if you know the character off the top of your head from the script, Ryan, of Abel Pinocchio, the the editor at the. I remember paper. the name. Yes, I want to get Jack for that. I reached out to him. He said he was interested, and then cool. uh, I guess it's just a matter of we got to figure out how much, how much, you know? right? So that I could be. Cologne has been a part of my character too. I, I've I've put Cologne on specifically for this character too because he kind of dresses in a certain way mm -hmm. you know he and so i don't think he would lack cologne too so i picked i was like which one of the colognes i think what i went with was coach leather for men and right now that's on ebay for like 300 to 500 dollars it's a discontinued fragrance uh coach leather for men or leatherwear for men i do like i like the leather fragrance i i uh i have a tom ford ombre leather and at first it was like this smells like a new boot but nice. then, but then I warmed up to it. And I was like, "Oh, this smells like a new boot." It's <laughs> <laughs> pretty good. Uh, all right. Well, I'll, I'll look forward to that. If uh, if if there's a crossover, I'm gonna I'll tune into that. But uh, Ryan, I again, so. I think there will be. Thank you for coming on the show today. I, I feel like this thank was a, a great episode. And uh, everyone, go check out censored.tv and everything Ryan's up to. So that has been movies for this week. Thank you for listening.